power hour of joy and pain is upon us. In this corner with Brian Campbell is back and ready to violate your personal space with another dose of that performance enhancing audio. You want it. You need it. Well, come on. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You got it. The TBC is fired up from a week-long visit to Sin City covering Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. And I'm ready to chop it all up with you with my man, Big Red. I was born. No, no, not that Big Red. The other guy. The other guy that we're talking about here. But before we do, let me remind you how much we appreciate all the shout-outs on social media for the ITC and the many reviews on Apple Podcasts to help this show continue to grow. And if you have not yet taken that time, the 60 seconds or so that it will cost you to subscribe, rate, and review, it would be greatly appreciated. Look, bottom line, don't do it for me in the end. Do it for the right motives, because when it's all said and done, you listen to the show for one reason and one reason only, because you, the listener, respect box. I respect box. I respect everybody. I respect everybody. Athletes. I really love athletes. And uh, with the business side behind us, it is really time to get that party started as the Brian Campbell prepares to go one-on-one against his toughest weekly opponent. Against who? Against who? Against who? Against who? Well, Teddy, you're asking me. It's funny. I'm going to tell you. I'm talking about internationally renowned writer, editor, author, yes, and protector of all things cruiserweights. Cruising was made for box. Respect was made for box. From a cabin oh, yeah. in the woods in upstate New York, it's Rafe Bartholomew Big Red. Did you know where I happened to find that that reggae version right there of uh, of cruising? I don't. What's, what's, which one is that? I found it right here. Right near the beach. <laughs> hey, hey, how is it, my man? How is it? Good man, yeah. I'm up. I'm in upstate New York. I had to find a little survivalist, uh, you know, bunker from which to watch the world uh, burn down. If if that indeed uh, happened on Saturday night after uh, Mayweather McGregor, but thankfully it didn't. And uh, you know, I think we have strangely enough a lot to be thankful for uh, coming out of Saturday. It, it was, uh, it, you know, and we'll get into it. But it was. Are a good you talking night about and, the uh, fact that Floyd protected the boxing world's reputation by winning that fight, or are you just talking about this simple fact? Hey, we finally got a fun Mayweather fight. The fun Mayweather fight. Uh, I was also, you know, somewhat concerned uh, about, you know, rioting, uh, you know, just the the crumbling of of Western society. Um, (laughs) You know, it it was a far it wasn't the most likely outcome of the fight, but I I wasn't ready to rule it out. Hence, I had to get far away from the rest of the world. I have to say, for safety reasons, having it at T-Mobile helps a lot because it's an actual arena with many entrance exits and entrances. Unlike when they would have it at the Grand Garden Arena. You remember the riot from the uh, Mayweather Maidana fight where everybody's trying to funnel through the same hallway there was also a lot of security there but that's obviously our main event our big topic this week Rafe the biggest fight uh some say ever it might be when the metrics are all considered it was uh supposed to be a circus supposed to be a joke supposed to be an exhibition but Rafe Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor this Saturday 10th round TKO for Mayweather it was not really any of those things yet it still kind of was I will say this I said it a couple seconds ago most entertaining Floyd fight since the first Maidana in 2014. His first stoppage since the sucker punch against Ortiz in 2011. But when you're considering that it's the casual fans who buy these fights and the casual fans that are normally angry after a Floyd fight, this was a winner. Everybody was entertained, it seemed. Even LeBron, everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, and maybe maybe the media, we I don't know if we pat ourselves on the back for this, and there it came in at different volumes, but there was so much uh, sort of downplaying of what the fight what could end up being that everyone seemed very pre- prepared for just some some kind of letdown or something disastrous or you know something they didn't want to happen. So then when, you got a, a genuinely sort of exciting and interesting and just kind of weird and funky, like you know what the hell is it? it, it Connor's inexperience and his uh, and his you know different his MMA style, whatever the heck it was, it was not Mexican style, um, whatever that was. It was fun to watch in there, and it was and and it was just sort of this this curious. Everybody I was watching with was like, "What is he doing? Is it working? <laughs> like, what's happening?" Um, and it, yeah, that was. 
and then it, and then it turned into you know and then there was a few rounds of that and then and then the the, the fight shifted and and Floyd took over and then it turned into Floyd doing something we never see him do either so it was uh it was just fun and weird and different it was like it kind of was because Floyd's older it turned into this like this guilty pleasure irresistible best case scenario where it was fun to watch a sort of I, I, am I, is a sacrilege? A sort of washed up Floyd. Like, I mean, I, Floyd, I don't know if it's possible for Floyd to be washed up, but I'm not going to push him over the pier. But from what we saw. We might have saw a washed Floyd when you mixed him with an overachieving, overperforming Connor. They were like perfect dance partners in the end, Rafe. It was like a fun fight in that regard with like momentum shifts. And I know that you can poke holes through this. And the hardcore boxing haters and cynicists are already poking holes and trying to say like, you know, was it a work? Did Floyd carry him for rating, you know, for entertainment? And then you got the MMA side maybe going a little overboard and saying, you know, Connor, wow, he really proved all this stuff. And I have to tell you, in the moment there inside the arena, I went a little overboard. In my recap, I wrote, you know, Connor has a bright future ahead of him in boxing should he want to. And while I don't cycle away completely from that statement, I definitely soften a bit. Now I'm separated from time and I watch, you know, the highlights. But how do you sort of take all of that? The the, the idea that, that Connor overachieved, the idea that Floyd maybe underachieved for a purpose. Where do you meet in the middle and find why this fight played out the way it did? Well, first of all, Brian, I think uh, we have to mark down this date, uh, you know, August 28th, 2017, as the day on which uh, Brian Campbell called Floyd Mayweather washed and got himself permanently banned from Girl Collection, uh, (laughs) which I know is going to break your heart for for many years to come. So you will regret this day. Uh, Just remember that. Everyone, mark it down. Put it on your calendars. Um, But... um, yeah, look, the, my my read on what happened in the fight or, or you know, the level is sort of going back to what we said. What I, I've been saying sort of throughout the lead up is that you really don't know what to expect. Almost any theory about what could happen would made some sense. And the truth is no one knows outside of Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, McGregor, and maybe a few people inside their camps. If And, and yes, because it was sort of such a circus event a a non you know competitive event at least in at least on the on the merits uh going in i think that it is not unfair to if for the people who want to just claim it was all a work who want to who who say oh floyd just carried him to, to for entertainment value that is plausible but you but what really does get on my nerves what i think is is unfair to you know, to viewers, to anyone who who watched, you know, is this is the sort of certainty, is the sort of rock solid, uh, yeah, certitude that that some people are are saying this was definitely fake. Floyd definitely did this. Connor definitely did that. It was a you know you know what? None of us know that, and we right. can never know that. Like, like you, and, you just put- and you can say that about any fight in boxing, or I mean, if you look, boxing is a is a sport with a lot of shady stuff, with a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that has you know a long history of being touched by organized crime, which isn't really around like it was you know whatever you know fifty years ago, but still there that is always uh, you know lurking underneath. If, if I want to say. You know, oh yeah, Indongo took a dive. Like, you know, that's stupid, but I could say it, and you can't prove me wrong. Um, you know, and you could do that about every fight. So, yes, you know, you want to. I, I think it's, of course, given all the weird factors that go into this. Sure, be a little skeptical if you think that. All right, I just can't. I if 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 you personally can't believe that that Floyd. Uh, would never lose a round to Conor McGregor or would never sort of use a feeling out round, give away a round while he's tr- figuring out this unorthodox fighter, then believe that, fine. But you can't tell me that that's any more true than than what it looked like on the screen and maybe in the arena, which was that Floyd was fighting a pretty standard Floyd fright. I mean, it took a while for, it took a few rounds for him to get the, the timing, the distance, and and just to sort of figure out what the heck he was up against. And he was letting, he was smartly, I mean, you know, 
on some level, letting his his opponent wear himself out while he waited for his turn to sort of you know really move in and be effective. That's the, that you just said it right there. That's the ultimate. Outside of definitely, Floyd takes the mental snapshot. He he's willing to give you a couple rounds if he has to to figure you out. That was part of it because even Connor, the success he was having early was awkward, and Floyd admitted so afterwards. It was a little bit non traditional, even though it was actually more traditional than we thought Connor. I mean, we thought Connor would come out like Maidana and he actually boxed. I'll get to that in a second. I think the best thing that you said there though was Floyd was sort of waiting for him to gas, right? Like giving him a chance to empty more energy. I think you put boxing, hashtag boxing heads in their place, especially the extra cynical ones. And I think the MMA, the the odd marriage of MMA and boxing media and not boxing and MMA fans coming together in this, I think it we learned something from both sides because our hardcore boxing coverage guys, from me predicting to Max Kellerman saying Connor would never land a punch, were definitely too far in the other direction of saying that like Connor was going to get smoked out of there and absolutely dominated. And I think that, you know, just like the MMA guys, maybe going a little bit too overboard and predicting that he would win by knockout or even saying what they said after the fight that he was great. He wasn't great, right? He was he was pretty good for the circumstances. The middle ground that the boxing heads need to realize, the same people that said he wouldn't land a punch are not the same people that are saying it's fixed. It wasn't fixed. It was what it was. The question Exactly. Really- Brian, you're right. Exactly. And that's what it, it's, it's. It's this sort of like... Um, look, I, I think it was right for ever, for that giant range of possibilities because there was no baseline yes. for this fight. There was nothing. There was nothing to actually imagine how it would look. So, every, I mean, it, it was not unreasonable. I don't think for Max to say that Connor might never be able to land a punch on Mayweather. I mean, that that didn't sound crazy to me. Well, D- um, Dana called nor, him out for that afterwards. You know, but... or or any of that other stuff. You know, I mean, the whole range of things was on the table. However, the for pe- for the people, it seemed I, I noticed the same thing the same people who were uh as you know the the most negative going in who really really sold hard on that this is impossible and stupid and we're all fools blah 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 are now the ones who i think out of a little bit of convenience because it's the only logical place to go to preserve their pre-fight takes is to say well it was fixed because like I said before, it's impossible for Floyd to ever lose a round to a novice like this or to ever, you know, or to not knock him out the first time he touches him. You know, I, I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's OK to say, you know what? I was wrong. I thought it would, especially with this, nobody knew what the what the heck anything was going to look like. You know, you made you, you made your best educated guess, which is what we do. Shoot. I, I said Jojo Dan was going to beat Kell Brook. I'm cool with that. Hashtag, I was, I, I, you know, party at the I igloo. Mean, Hashtag into it. I have a Dan. soft spot for Romanians. You know, I thought he could pull it off. I was wrong. It's fine. We can be wrong. Yeah, that was clean. a dumber thing to say than a lot of the other things going into this fight. Yeah, so don't double down. Out, back off. You know, yeah, exactly. Don't double down. All right. The only thing in that category was did Floyd carry him a couple extra runs? I actually don't think he did. I think you have to enter into the narrative. Okay, Floyd's not washed, but this was an older Floyd, 42 years removed. For the first time, we saw the effects of age. Say what you will about how boring that Berto fight was. That was still almost prime Floyd in that fight. I mean, he still had it. He was coming off a stretch of six fights in a row there. This was not the same Floyd. His leg, his his legs were not the same. He wasn't able to move as quickly. He was not throwing combinations. It was one pecking right hand at a time, and it wasn't the typical flawless pecking right hand. It was a little bit more like I've seen him miss more shots than I've ever seen him do before. The point was he was not getting hit with anything in return to give him pause. And I think that's why he stretched the fight out a bit and was allowed to. If Connor had put on more pressure, Rafe, and if Connor had been landing harder, I think Floyd would have had to have gotten him out of there earlier, right? Unless it was too much pressure, unless Connor was really, really good, and then what would have happened? Floyd would have made it go the distance, right? But short yeah. of really, really good, I feel like my prediction would have held up TKO5 had Connor been able to hit hard. Here's the key part of this. I'm ready to tell you I'm impressed with what Connor showed us in the first half of the fight. I believe that. I'm also ready to tell you the guy had no power after round one. So do you think that came down to just not translating MMA power to, to the boxing technique and be able to produce the same effect? Yeah, and, and this goes into, I think, a little bit of what the question of, you know, did Floyd look like he lost something? Was the fact that he did get touched a little more than we, you know, much more than, or I guess, much more than we expected, maybe not much more than we're used to, but the fact that, you know, Connor was able to land somewhat successfully, sort of pawing that occasional, you know, that 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 one uppercut in the first round, a few other shots. Uh, I I don't necessarily know if I believe that he has lost that Mayweather has lost that step, or if he 
determined early, he figured out that he wasn't really going to get hurt by uh, the way, you know, by, by Connor's punches, at least the way that he was throwing them, um, and that he could afford to, you know, just be a little less defensive and and walk and and walk forward more once he started doing that without really worrying about what was coming back at him. Now, um, it was weird. I agree to to see him getting sort of see. I, you know, it was weird. I thought, or or I would never. What, what did make me think he maybe did lose a step or something was that, um, or some reflexes was was watching. Mayweather get hit with jabs. I don't yes. know. It's just something you don't see. That's not something I'm ever used to seeing. It's like, you know, and it's not that, and Connor wasn't even throwing. Maybe it's, maybe the answer is that Connor was not throwing a particularly effective jab. It was almost, he, he had his arms like halfway extended, you know, just from the starting point and then would paw out a little bit more. I mean, it we saw really... that, that, that gift that's all over the internet of, of Connor who yeah. was attempting to paw with a jab and yeah. it just tapped Floyd on the nose. Floyd didn't even flinch. And of course, everybody's using it to show that Connor stinks and he doesn't stink. He was trying to do, I think, some Calzaghe slap happy stuff to try to up his numbers and try to steal rounds. And I think that's why it's, it's like, the idea that he landed 111 punches when Manny only landed 80-something, it either helps your argument that Connor's better than we thought, or it hurts Connor's argument because Floyd was almost letting him hit him with those tapping shots. Yeah, and I, I actually think that those, ta those, those pawing jabs and stuff, it, it, those also helped him. I don't know if this was actually part of a game plan or just worked out this way, but it, it helped early to prevent uh, Floyd from being able to land clean shots, you know, because, you know, Connor did does have those long arms. He was bigger, and his hands were just sort of out there, like like they were just in the way of the punches that were going to come back at them, you know, so it was kind of like, it was sort of like the Klitschko style, my hand is here, how are you going to punch <laughs> through my big arm? Um, you know, so it was a little bit of that, um, that, that was, you know, awkward but effective. Um, and the whole, the thing with the Manny stat, I mean, Floyd fought Manny like he like he was fighting a dangerous fighter, which yes. I think we have to at least give Manny some credit of saying he was, or at least was capable of being in that fight. I think that uh, he fought May uh, he fought McGregor as if he was not a dangerous fighter for most of those rounds, uh, and and was not really worried about getting tapped a few more times, you know. And and uh, so it's I mean, look, I think that number is destined to be overblown pretty much forever, and. Uh, I will rely on, I, and and I think that is the one uh, CompuBox number that maybe Paulie Malinaji will not be uh, in a hurry to crap all over because it's like, <laughs> who do I choose between my hate, for, my hate for CompuBox or my hate for Manny? Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know where where Paulie finds uh, some real. Well, let me jump, there. let me jump ahead on my list here and talk about Paulie. I was at the fight. I obviously haven't seen, the, heard the commentary. I did not watch a replay of it. How was Paulie's commentary based on the fact that controversially there was a video released on Fight Hype? of Paulie in Floyd's gym during fight week, basically flipping off Connor in the camera and saying like, you know, what do we have here? And sharing secrets, like blatantly sharing secrets, right? How, would, how did that affect his commentary on fight night? His commentary on the Showtime broadcast was very professional. It was down the line, regular Paulie, you know, like, like just did not really take, I, I can't think of one, one instance where he stepped over that line. And, they, and you kind of figure... Polly as uh as kind of like you know I mean he never he he can't he he seems to he can't yes he, he usually doesn't hold back so that he managed to do that for the entire broadcast was impressive uh but then I don't know really what it's worth that as soon as the fight is over he's you know giving every uh, videographer interviews being like yeah he was giving up you know like you know I, look if if you wanted to go you say you wanted to go out on your back you know well all you have to do is throw a punch and that ref will let the fight go on you know blah blah like so they must I, I they must have watered him down, right? Was he giving away any secrets on the broadcast from the sparring no. match that he wasn't able to say beforehand? I don't I don't even recall him really referencing his sparring. Uh, he was giving really straightforward analysis of what was happening in the ring uh, and what, you know, sort of why he thought Floyd might have been, you know, he's like, yeah, he's a little awkward like that. So, I mean, you could say he was, I guess, uh, you know, that, that, that sparring informed his commentary, but it didn't... Uh, he didn't, you know, he definitely didn't say it didn't. He wasn't giving anything away. And at that point, what can you give away? The fight is live. So I don't really know if that's a trade secret. True, anyway. true. All right. Let's go back through the fight real quick. So Connor goes up three to nothing on most people's scorecards. Floyd not throwing back in the early rounds. Connor, this is where he basically ex exceeded expectations, Rafe, because all of us assumed he's going to come in brawling. He actually tried to outbox Floyd, which had been an incredibly failed proposition when presented by Canelo, when even presented by Manny two years ago. So let's remove the idea that Floyd 
felt no power and let him. Let's remove the idea that Floyd is old for a second. Let's just say this. Connor had more success fighting in the boxing Floyd in the early three rounds than we've seen a lot of people have. Was it only because Floyd was reading the situation and not throwing back? Or do you think that he actually exceeded in what we thought he could do as a boxer? I think it's both. I mean, I think that if Floyd got out into the middle of the ring and sensed immediately that Connor had absolutely nothing for him, then he could have, you know, he would have gone in and, and fought, been more active in those early rounds. Was he, in my opinion, maybe being a little more cautious, giving showing Connor a little more respect than he needed to in terms of like not throw, basically not throwing? Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't the kind of you know we we you 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 made a good point comparing it to uh Buc, the 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 Pacquiao fight last week. Say that and, again. Know, Just say the name again one more time. People love Pacquiao, it. Pacquiao, Pacquiao, oh, Manny Pacquiao, the senator. Um, so um, you know, you made a good point about the way that Floyd in that fight came out, took the middle of the ring, and what and and backed Manny up as opposed you know to 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 say, look, this is how this this is how this fight is going to be. You you will be punished for for being aggressive with me. He didn't maybe, you know, he he it was a some combination of Floyd sensing he did not need to do that against Connor and maybe being a little cautious because he, you know, he'd never seen this man box before. He really did not know what uh, he was going to, tr like, even attempt to throw at him. So um, maybe a little overcautious, but as we've seen with Floyd, he can he can afford that because he knows he's either going to, you know, he's going to sweep the last eight rounds of just about every fight he's in. And this one, he managed to get the knockout. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, the, the tides certainly changed in the fourth once Floyd started coming forward. Then he's hitting right hands, and then it became a, a case of the gas tank slowly dwindling. And you give Floyd credit for knowing that, for hiding behind the high guard, coming at Connor and forcing Connor to suddenly backpedal and throw at the same time, which really tired him out. It was the mental fatigue of Floyd not going anywhere. I mean, Connor, the big thing he talked about afterwards, and by the way, nobody fields a loss better than Connor. Conor McGregor. If you go back and listen to his quotes after that Nate Diaz loss in 2016, he's always about instantly, humbly trying to figure out what he did wrong. And the big thing he talked about outside of the stamina dump that ultimately led to the loss was how controlled and poised Floyd was. And it was almost like part of it, you can almost rip him and say, have you not seen Floyd fights? Did you not know that was going to happen? But it was basically in response to anything he could do, he couldn't believe how unflappable Floyd was that every single turn at every single point. I mean, in a way that's like, you got to give Floyd that credit. That's the mental toughness that, that has always been there despite any outside the ring, you know, distractions. He's always so poised and calm in the ring with Madonna, Madonna coming in his face. I mean, the same thing. But not being able to rattle Floyd at all certainly seemed to hurt Connor because he likes being a bully in there. He likes talking trash. And then it just came down to the stamina dump. Uh, the thing I think that protects Connor in this case, Rafe, is that he was never knocked down. He only wobbled when it looked like he was worn down stamina wise. I don't really ever see him getting hurt in there. Did you? No, yeah, I do think that he was more, you know, gassed and 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 lost, you know, because he couldn't, he could like no longer look like a a respectable, you know, com combatant in a boxing match, mostly due to him getting gassed. Uh, than the the you know the accumulation of blows he took. Now, obviously, he caught a lot. He, you know, Floyd hit him with so with a lot of uh good hard straight you know overhand rights. Uh, and uh, and clearly, uh, you know, gave him a nice mouse under the left eye where, where the rights would land. So, I mean, he was landing and landing effectively, but it did not look like he was like the, the punches were necessarily uh, dazing Connor as much as just him, you know, totally just hitting a complete wall and not being able to having no legs left. Um, and uh, I, 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 that's something I'm curious. You know, you have more MMA background than me. How why wasn't it possible for Connor to just train for that kind of stamina that he would need in a boxing match because they no one there really un understood quite how much he would need That's, was it a that could it, be it. it yeah but it's also that you know it, it goes back to what pat militich said about the difference between aerobic and anaerobic and mm -hmm. about how you know he thought connor's best chance was to just rush him and be completely physical and make floyd have to physically work early where connor came out and boxed him and i think that connor's used to in a fight, right, the, the rounds are longer, and he's used to having to use all the muscles in his body to fight off takedowns, to struggle mm -hmm. and clinch against the cage, to, you know, fight off submissions. I think it's just a di it's just different, right? It's like you can go out and, and, and get ready for a big uh, a road race and get yourself in great running shape, but you go on the basketball court, you're still going to you're still gonna suck wind pretty hard after right. a couple sequences. It's just sort of like that. Uh, it was tough because 
it, once he was zapped, the fight was was over. He had yeah. nothing left. Show good heart. I had no problem with the stoppage. In fact, I thought Robert Byrd had an incredibly good night because part of him did have to protect the idea that the NSAC, Nevada State Athletic Commission, was under pressure for even securing this fight. So if Connor's not punching back and he's just getting hit cleanly, you got to jump in, right? You, this isn't like this isn't like Rocky Marciano, George Joe Walcott, right? We're just gonna we're gonna fight till one of them can't stand up again. Like that was the right call there. But it did sort of leave open the idea that if Connor fixed his conditioning gap there, that could he be better than we? That could he be even better than this? You think? Well, yeah. So, so here's the thing. I think that for any, for if you're treating this like any boxing match, that is a perfectly good stoppage. Like, like not not just acceptable, but good. Like the guy that was not defending himself very well was not throwing back. It was clearly just out, like, like had no legs left, was not, you know, was a few seconds away from just, like, flopping around the ring. Um, however, uh, in a circus event, I would have liked to get, I would have liked to see a knockdown, you know? I would have liked them to say, you know what, this, he's, I, I, it did not look like a dangerous moment in the fight. That's a good so point. So I don't, so I don't think that he really needed to, I mean, and now you're always, you know, uh, trying to protect a guy. And, and if he uh, is out of the fight, then he's out of the fight. So you can't, you can't blame Bird. But I would have liked to see him let it go a little longer. Let that knockdown come because it's coming. Uh, and uh, or at least, at, at least really, uh, really make it. Uh, so there's no way to to argue with the stoppage uh, because I don't know we signed up for a freak show let us get a freaky finish. All right, that's you know? that's it's- a fair comeback when you're saying you know, I mean he was taking lead right hands, but Floyd you know in this spot not not a, a giant puncher either. And Floyd had said after the fight that he had stopped sparring for the last month basically to avoid hand issues. So you didn't even know then that point of the fight Floyd's hand issues could have been could have been activated. And you know maybe Connor and he wanted to hang around longer. He wanted to get a chance to get that second wind. And he says that when he fights these distances, he does get a late wind in the 11th and 12th round. And the only thing to support that was what Pauli Malinaji said about their sparring session was that Connor did gas in the middle and then came on huge late. You wonder what it could have looked like. I, you know, again, I thought it was fair. I thought Bird's opening speech to him was hilarious before the fight started. What was he, all that about? What, what Robert Bird really wanted that moment, huh? I, I mean, well, I, I actually thought it was cool. He like made sure to double and triple down that, like, look, if you try to get MMA dirty here, dude, you're gonna have an issue. And I like that he established that off the tone. I think that Connor, in the end, it was refereed right, rightfully, in the sense that the, he did, Bird didn't break it every time they clinched. He gave Connor a chance to try to get off some sneaky, dirty stuff. Remember, he kept trying to spin Floyd around. And eventually, like, I think he just ran out of options. Floyd put himself in basically by giving up his back. I think Floyd and Andre Ward kind of criticized Floyd for this on SportsCenter after the fight, saying, you know, I never would have given up my back. What if you take a shot to the back of the head? It could, like, ruin the fight for you. But I think Floyd was putting himself in a victim spot where it would have been so blatant in those spots for Connor to hit him that it would have been, like, instant point deduction, instant we're on your way out of the fight here. Yeah, I, I mean, the, I, that was another confusing part of the fight where, where uh, when, whenever the times that Floyd turned around and like, huh, like you're not supposed to do that. Um, I, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about this fight, and I, I can't, maybe, maybe I was crazy, but didn't it seem like Connor hurt Floyd to the body at the very beginning of the ninth round? Moved in on him, tried to do some stuff in the corner. Robert Bird ended up breaking it up, and then. Like, like, like 30 seconds later, he was totally out of gas and that was the end of the fight and, and, and the round shifted. So we never really, they never went back to replays of that because the rest of the round was almost, you know, a 10, eight round for Floyd, the amount of, you know, how bad Connor looked. I mean, he, that was the one where he like fell against the ropes, you know, Lucky just out of like, yeah. exhaustion. Um, but like, do you, did, did that happen? Am I making that up? Did you see that like at the, like the, like the very beginning of the ninth round, he walks out and landed a left to the body that seemed like that at least made Floyd back up. I saw some talk of that on social media. Like I said, I have not seen a replay. That is something I'm going to really focus on and want to see if that happened. And it looked like, you know, I was told that Connor was complaining to Bird after that round about it. Almost like I, I had him hurt and you tried to break me up. You know, what's the deal here? That's going to be interesting. But you did almost basically say there that if he did have a moment there, he ran out of gas afterwards in fact he may have shot his load afterwards and and there was an interview by the way after the fight between Floyd Mayweather and ESPN Sal Pal Sal Palantonio where they talked about this you want to hear this this was this was pretty interesting here what did you think of the way Conor McGregor approached the fight at the beginning um I, I, that was our game plan our game plan was to take our time 
to, you know, take one round at a time, let him shoot his low, and then down the stretch, do what we do best. When did you think that the fight was starting to turn when he had shot his load and you could come out? <laughs> when he, shot, he started shooting his low in the first, the first half of the fight. And then in the second half, we started coming on extremely strong. So apparently he shot his load, but it was probably right right in that moment that you mentioned where, and, you know, man, Sal Pal struggling to say that, struggling to get that out, right? <laughs> I, I'm surprised that Sal Pal, uh, uh, you know, repeated it to him. You know, I guess I guess he was sort of stuck there and, and, and just had to keep it moving, but that was a, a special moment. All right, couple cool, I got a handful of quick hitters here about this fight, about the impact, about the scene, all of that. Our, our, my good buddy, our good buddy, ESPN's Arash Markazi, wrote a column after the fight basically trying to say, you know, what's next for freak fights? Can we see more freak fights? He pitched the idea, which hadn't even, uh, surprisingly, it hadn't even once come into my mind because right away the, the knee-jerk reaction is going to be get out of here with this idea. He pitched the idea that Floyd Connor too probably could, should, and would happen and that the way this fight ended perfectly set the stage for a rematch. I say knee-jerk because I'm just sort of like, no, we learned everything we, we learned. Plus, Floyd's not coming back, right? Like, he made that perfectly clear in the post-fight press conference all week leading up that he's not coming back. But when you are talking about money, and Arash is saying because Connor was never dropped or stopped, and you can explain the loss to inexperience and exhaustion, and Floyd's only getting older and only going to be more vulnerable, are we being naive to the idea, Rafe, that a year from now, after Connor either beats or defeats some other MMA stars and continues that run, that we go back to this for even half this amount of money. I'm not, I wouldn't rule it out. Sure, I mean there is. It's not the strongest rematch to sell. You know, I mean you can't. It is difficult to convince people that uh, that this. You know that 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 it really warrants a rematch. But whatever. I mean, like they're they're famous. That is that that. Uh, outweighs all of the uh the technical and like lo like logic based reasons not to do it again if the money is there and floyd would be willing to do it again you know they would do it i it doesn't you, know, you there's enough there to sell a rematch i mean more you know it's as good if not better than uh than manny's phantom shoulder surgery you know i mean like <laughs> you know as long as look, i that's and in fact that's my that's my prescription for connor going into uh the rest of his boxing career just you know take a dip in the philippine sea you know make sure he's swimming get that cardio up it heals all it heals it heals uh torn shoulders it heals everything so or just go to Germany you know, get out there Kobe. take a nice dip yeah yeah, go to Germany with Kobe. Just just transfix yourself. Come back. Um, I think the only way we would get to this rematch, it, it, one of a big one, is Floyd wanting to come back, right? If let's say he has money problems, maybe that speeds it up. But the only way we get there is if Connor, in my mind, Floyd. Er, er, Floyd I keep calling you Floyd. You do, you know, you guys act, look like, live, live the same life. Um, you know, I would hard say hard work and dedication. Absolutely. I mean, it just bleeds off you. I would say that Connor would have to. Do more in boxing. So let's say he ran, he did the grudge match against Paulie Malignaggi, and he looked great, and he won it. You know, maybe that would make the belief that he's improved as a boxer and that he would have a better chance against an older Floyd. But the real question here is, where does Connor go next? And should boxing be on his plate? All week on every radio show across the country, I basically said, win or lose, unless he loses in like the second round, I kind of feel like Connor comes back to boxing for the money. But I have to say, both Connor and Dana White, and Dana White's comments are expected from where he comes from on a business stance, they made it sound like he was coming back to UFC automatically. You know that I mean, Connor did say I'm a free agent, even though it's not true. It, it made it seem like December 30th, you know, their annual big New Year's UFC card, which brings them in a lot of money that they are really hoping that he comes back. And they were really hoping it's a trilogy with Nate Diaz, which would be the biggest selling UFC fight for McGregor. He could do right now outside of like fighting GSP, who already has a fight. Right. So that's separate. So in your eyes, from what you saw, Connor, in boxing, one, do you want to see him again? And two. Do you think there's matchups, big selling matchups that can work for him? Yeah. I mean, look, I, and even, I mean, just the way that boxing finances seem to work, if he can be the A-side on a pay-per-view that that does respectably, right, that's almost almost certainly going to earn him more than, than you know, sort of a big MMA fight. Is that wrong? No, that's right. Look, he got a guarantee <clears throat> $3 million in the Diaz rematch, and that— that on paper guarantee was broke the record for UFC. There was rumors that he made between 12 and 15 million when receipts were counted. He made a guaranteed 30 against Floyd, probably going to make a hundred. So unless UFC gets smart and is like, all right, Connor, here's your 15 million guarantee, right? Like we got it. Right. We, you know, then look, I think I've said before, I think Paulie can sell a million to a million and a half with Connor. And I think Connor can make, you know, 
twenty million in a fight that he's not going to get hurt in, right? So they've already and they've already sold. I mean, that already has a storyline that people are biting on, you know. And you know, it makes sense uh, if he goes, you know, say and and maybe they do end up having a, you know, he fights MMA, he goes back to UFC, fights at the end of the year, and then the 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 theory that I the cut the common theory I see floated out there is, you know, St. Patrick's Day, two thousand eighteen, you know. Connor versus Paul. Right, you so, could do it in New York. You could do it in Vegas, whatever. True, and that's the right matchup. Look, here's what he shouldn't do and, and can't do. He shouldn't and can't go fight the winner of Canelo Triple G because I think against the very elite, against the Thurmans, the Spences, he's going to get he's going to get destroyed, right? I mean, that would that I mean, not to say that this that that they wouldn't uh, approve it, but that would be a I think a much greater test of the uh, of the commission, yes. the, whatever commission it would be, a state commission's uh, willingness to to put on a a potentially very like dangerous. Uh, circus fight because those guys are bigger and more aggressive than Floyd and, and technique wise you know, they're, they're nasty right and, and they may go out there to just look to to beat the, the living crap okay. out of so Connor which would not be pretty true and so he's got to be a an attraction fighter now we, we identified the poly match being I think Amir Khan for example could be an attraction match again you're talking about somebody who has chin issues you know it would be interesting but we like to play what's it look like here. One of our uh, one of our listeners slid into the DMs. This is uh, VU. Is that pronounced VU? Yeah, I believe so. VU Nguyen at VU is real on Twitter comes down to to slid in both of our DMs at the same time. Little little double action there. But where, where you want to go with that? I don't. I mean, I don't really know. That's up to you. But I'm going to tell you that he wants to know what does it look like if present day Connor fights Manny in a boxing match. Interesting, Rafe. Would probably be the most amount of money he could get if he wanted to not to to go back into boxing and try to cash in big. What does that fight look like to you? Well, look, I mean, I think that we uh, most most serious boxing fans and people who, who pay attention to the sport are, are at more or less a consensus that that Manny is a little is is slightly to uh to slightly washed to uh you know to middle middle ground washed right now. So he it is not the not. <clears throat> The version of Manny Pacquiao that we'd see, say against Jeff Horn, that would be—I I would be interested in seeing it. What does it actually look like? Look, and I think that if if McGregor can't solve the stamina issue, he still gets knocked out late in that fight. He might—he's a lot—he's you know he was bigger than Floyd. He's going to look like even enormously bigger than Manny. But I, I imagine it looks a little bit like the first half of the Jeff Horn fight looked, where Manny is, you know, visibly a little slower, not the same guy we're used to seeing. The big awkward guy is is pushing him around and, and causing him a little bit of trouble. But unless McGregor, and this applies to any fight he ever does in boxing from, you know, from, from here on out, if he can't go past six rounds, uh, he's going to lose all those fights and probably get knocked out late in a lot of them. And, and Manny is a more aggressive guy who I think, uh, you know, would go in there and 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 stop him pretty easily if he started gassing like that. It might stop him easily even without that kind of conditioning stuff. Yeah, I, I really would have a even washed Manny's speed and aggressiveness would probably be a much more dangerous fight for him. I would have concern in there. I think that might even be too far. I mean, I called Manny washed after that horn fight. I just think in the back of my mind, I feel like Manny didn't take that fight as seriously as he could. I think he can have an Ali Spink situation and come back stronger and look better. That's interesting. Uh, one more thing on, on what's next. Floyd is retiring, all that. But we did see a semi-washed version of Floyd at 40. I know it's, it's comparatively washed. It just means that he's, you know, the best of this era a step down now. What do you think if he, if he, if he wanted to fight on and if he actually wanted to fight on and take on challenges and try to be like a relevant number one pound for pound top welterweight right now, I do wonder what this version of Floyd would look like in those fights. Can he compete against the Spences and Thurmans and win, or would he automatically be in a spot where he's got to take, got to take, you know, damage in order to have a chance to win these fights? I, I, I mean, he never would. But what do you actually think about this version of him and doing that? You know, age catches up to everyone. I'm sure. Floyd, you know, that, that it's been on his mind at this in this late stage of his career as he's held his sort of, you know, pound for pound spot. I don't know if you really want to, you know, I don't think he earned it back with the win over Conor McGregor. But, you know, throughout that Showtime deal, that six fight deal, you know, into his late 30s, um, I, uh, I I don't I'm I'm more hesitant to call him washed. I think, you know, that that there there he may have just, you know, been willing to be a little less careful because he knew that nothing he was he felt confident nothing was going to happen to him in this fight um i think that if you put him back in with a prime welterweight a real contender one of these you know young fighters who you know 
some of us might actually pick to beat Mayweather at, at this stage in both of their careers, whether it's an Errol Spence or a Terrence Crawford, if he moved up to 147, or if he, I mean, a Canelo rematch, if that somehow made sense again, uh, any of that. Um, you know, I think you would see more of the old Floyd. You would see, and maybe some of those reflexes are gone, And and but, I, you know, Floyd is so good and has been so good that I'm, Will not. I wouldn't believe it until I see it. Yeah, so you that's know? a good and, point. So he said after the fight, Rafe, that he goes, I could have boxed him boringly in box circles around him and just hit him with right-hand counter shots the whole time and not come forward, and you guys would have complained. And he's like, I, you know, he said that he did this for the fans. Whatever on that. But I will say that when he says that, it does remind me of the two Maidana fights, Rafe, where the first fight was fun, but he also was backing into the ropes and allowing Maidana to come in. And it did, after that fight, make some of us go... Is he slowing down? Is he getting old? And then, man, did he box circles around Marco, around Chino in the second one. So I think you're right. If he wanted to turn it on, if he wanted to go out there and beat a Sean Porter and, and make him look bad, he probably still could, right? But inevitably, eventually, these guys are going to tag him. Yeah, and that's one of those this is one of those crazy things about the sport, and it goes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier. You you never really do know. I mean, and and there, you know, if Floyd kept fighting, you would be reasonable saying, you know, people would be reasonable in saying, look, he, I don't think he's fallen off. He's still the best, you know, until all of a sudden something comes, something comes at him and he gets old overnight or someone is just that good or, you know, there, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, he gets dominated and, and you're, and you're like, where, where the heck did that come from? Like, how did I not see that coming? Yeah. Cause you just can, boxing is a black box. There's not even, a, it's just like, you know, it's, it's all, you know, not enough. It's a, it's a mix of not enough information and, and misinformation and the little bit that you know you 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 you're crazy to trust it all the way so you're it's really about like reading tea leaves that you can never be sure about uh and and you know sometimes you get caught looking wrong you know you you, you guess the wrong way uh and that's just the way it is and and i think floyd's genius is uh, if you want to call it a kind of genius or a calculating style uh he has never put himself in a position to find to have that rude rude awakening yeah and it, it seems increasingly the case that he never will. So, Rafe, uh, a couple more quick hits from this fight. is uh, the, I'm disappointed in the judges for mailing in those first three rounds. I mean, Floyd did not throw any punches. How, and, and Connor was at the very least active, and especially in the first two rounds, seemed to have moments. How the heck did two of the three judges give rounds two and three to Floyd? I'm not going to sit here and cry conspiracy or corruption, but let's be honest, this was set up to be the worst night in Vegas casino history in terms of the biggest loss they would ever take if Connor pulled the upset. By Floyd winning, now they flip that script and every story you read about betting says it's the greatest windfall in Vegas history because more bets were placed on this than any other Super Bowl before. Like, this was record-breaking for traffic. So does that lead you to believe that the judges gave two obvious rounds to Connor to Floyd, just to hedge their own bets? I mean, I'm not going to make that state that case, but it's really friggin' concerning when you see that. Yeah, well, I agree that they got those rounds wrong. I don't really think that it's very hard to come up with a good uh, justification for giving you know all uh, you know all those early rounds to to, to Mayweather. Um, I had not thought of that side of of why they might have done it. I mean, I always sort of lean back on the you know Vegas is Floyd's town. There's a reason he hasn't fought outside of Vegas in God knows how many years. You know, I mean, he is gonna get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, there, even when he, maybe he doesn't deserve it in some rounds. And he landed like uh, four and five punches. No, he, he was almost not trying to. I don't think he was trying. I mean, you can't really make an argument that he was even trying to win those rounds. So giving it to him, giving them to him is suspect. Uh, you know, what? bad judging. It's boxing. Like, what do you expect? All right, let's go back around the horn here. Floyd told SportsCenter after the fight that the day of the fight, he tried to go into a casino and get this. He tried to bet $400,000 on his own fight ending before round nine and a half. And was at, this was at the um, sports book at the M Resort in Vegas and was told no. And he, according to one source, he was pissed off. I guess I can understand that you would be allowed to bet on yourself to win. Obviously, you couldn't bet on yourself to lose. That's pretty much uh, impropriety. That's, you know, that's awful. But I think you're pushing it when you're going in there to try to bet on yourself for the exact round or how the finish will be, considering you have a hand in controlling it. Should we just, I mean, I know that it's Vegas, everything's legal, but shouldn't it be outlawed that you can have any hand in betting on your own fight? This is just really fishy to me in the end. 
it's definitely fishy. The other thing, there's there, I got a sense of uh, you know, what they, you know, what they, the, like what they call rainmaking in that in that statement. I mean, I from what the stories I read didn't have uh, confirmation from the various sports books that that these that these things happened. I, p- part of me now, this is where my conspiracy, my I put my tinfoil hat on and be like, you know what, why 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 do I even believe this? Why I mean, I, I bet that Floyd bet on himself. Um, but the whole like, oh yeah, I I was going to bet on exactly the result that I produced thing, unless uh, they produce some more corroboration for that. I kind of feel like it's sort of like I see, I I knew it would happen. I even was going to bet on it. Look, this guy says he was going to place a bet for me. I, it all seems a, I don't know if I'm totally willing to go there with him. But yeah, I I also don't think that that. Fighters should be able to uh, to bet which round they will knock the guy out in. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, this fight rivaled that ringside, Rafe, probably the most celebs I've ever seen. It, it, it beat May, Mayweather Canelo. I think it beat Maypac, too, in terms of seeing, you know, LeBron, Paul Pierce, uh, every major fighter from both boxing and MMA, seeing uh, Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne walk up, seeing, you know, I mean, I saw James Harden walk in, and, and he looked like he was he was talking to Samson before the show. i got to tell you that much. He, and I took a picture of him. He gave me an evil, evil face, as I did. But... Uh, the celebrity, though, that seemed to move the most product, even more than Demi Lovato, even more than LeBron when he walked in, was Sasquatch from the Jack Link's jerky commercials. And this was brilliant marketing. They sent an eight-foot Sasquatch with a boxing title belt that said Jack Link's on it, and he sat ringside and took about 4,000 pictures to the point where nobody was paying attention to the undercard one after another. This was absolutely brilliant marketing, and I supported it all the way. But to my point about it being a, an incredible celebrity crowd, I was able to sneak into the VIP area to use the restroom before the main event. Every single person that walked in looked like they either were the basis of Kings of Leon or they were like the star of some cheap reality show that I'd never seen. I mean, this was a, a different kind of crowd as we expected, but the most late-arriving crowd, Rafe, that I've ever seen. Now, crowds arrive late for boxing pay-per-views because they typically have no reason to come watch the undercard matches, but holy cow, they came literally five minutes before the main event. This rush filled the crowd. That was cutting it close. That was pretty intense. I've never seen something like that. Yeah, and I was curious, Brian, are there any other, were there any other sort of, you know, weird uh, celebrity or boxing boxing figure or highlights of the weekend, any run-ins with Carl Frotch? Eddie Hearn was in town. I know you're a, I know you're, you're dying to befriend him and become part of the Earn with Hearn team. I missed, um, you know, I missed what, out what, on some man love with Eddie Hearn on, on Saturday afternoon. I saw him, I, and I was about to come up and just talk about vests, talk about getting him on this podcast, confirm my suspicions that, you know, he's, he's ropes approved, that he would hang with us, that he's not not just the six foot eight, you know, uh, accomplished and and uh, elitist that he's this dude that would that would totally bro out with us. But I got cut off by top ranks Carl Moretti, who wanted to talk business. He slid right into my DMs. Carl interrupted that. Uh, I did not get to see Carl Frotch, though. But did you ever hear that interview with Carl Frotch and Floyd? I wanted to ask you, Floyd, if you don't mind. In my last fight, before I, before I knocked out George Groves at Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 fans, I would. I love that he took the chance to. 80,000 at Wembley Stadium. Like, without, he, no doubt. George Groves' chin and flattened him in front of 80,000. That he had to flatten, flatten him. He had to put flatten, it over. Flatten, he had to put it over. Culprit. Didn't get a chance to brawl with him. I did see a nice man hug between Tyron Lou and Amir Khan in the crowd, so that was interesting. No kidding. <laughs> One was the thing that was interesting. They moved the media off the floor for the first time I've ever seen in a oh, U.S. Man, fight. I don't, I, I don't know if I can get down with the uh, with the media complaints, but go ahead. Lay it I on mean, me. yeah, yeah. We're in the arena. How much can we complain, right? And we're getting paid and giving free food. But yes, they took the media off the floor, put us in the first few rows of where the behind the floor seats where the seats start to, to go up in the corner. You know, that was interesting, and I was talking to some promoters there who said, you know, in Europe and Australia, all the media sits in the upper deck anyway, so maybe this is the future, but that's, you know, that's the rich complaining about being rich right there. Uh, the only other thing associated with this fight that was interesting was Friday during the weigh-in, when Oscar De La Hoya... Uh, double down on his bitterness by tweeting basically F you to McGregor and Mayweather for ruining the sport and then conclu- including a link to ringtv.com, which at the time was, I believe, playing the Kodo Kamagai way in live. He deleted the tweet and then doubled down and came right back with it. I was surprised he went to this length, Rafe, considering like he uh, it was on video a year ago where he was like Canelo and, and Connor should fight each other. And now he's going to this to this level of like public hatred. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, I mean, you get away with what you can get away with. There's only probably 5% of the audience know about, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, any, any person's, any boxing promoter's hypocrisy. So you might as well play to the other 95%. Yeah. I guess, you know, remember what Angel said, he's got two words for him, right? 
fish scales. Fish you know, scale. There, Sorry, yeah, I, was, I, I thought it was a drop coming. Oh uh, no, I wish I wish I had that drop. See, I got we could drop our own stuff now. We can go back to the archives and drop our own stuff. All fish right, fish scale, Oscar. Fish scale. You hear me? Thirty seconds on this undercard, Rafe. Uh, Andrew Tabidi makes a leap in that cruiserweight fight against Steve Cunningham, even though he. Didn't finish strong. He boxed well. Forget that. A uh, big win for Badu Jack. Going up to 175. Stopping cleverly. Cleverly, I believe, retired after the fight. Jack looks legit. Jack Link's beef jerky, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to say, you know, he should get the Sasquatch in his corner. Um, you know, yeah, he looked good. He looked good. And uh, and he's really making a case for being a, a fighter that that we need to pay attention to and give credit to for being one of the one of the be- you know one of the better top one of the better fighters in the sport. Now, is he on pound for pound list yet? No. But he's will solid. he ever get there? I don't know if he will. But he uh, he keeps winning. He's beating. You know, I think he deserved a win against James DeGale in that great fight earlier this year. Um, and uh, and he and he. And, you know, he can say now that he ended Nathan Cleverly's career, which I mean, I think that probably Sergey Kovalev took his soul uh, yes. four years ago or whatever it was. Uh, but hey, you know, I mean, he this is a good win, and Cleverly hasn't been stopped like that since 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 Kovalev. So hey, absolutely, that, you know, which means I would love to see Badu Jack win any of those guys, whoever whoever the first person to get in who who can get into a ring with with Jack. Kovalev, dude, Adonis, Adonis Stevenson. That one probably makes the most sense first. Andre Ward, if he's going to stick around at 175, I'd see them all. Yeah. Would I favor him against any of them? Not yet, but he just keeps he keeps looking better, and 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 he's fighting with so much confidence now. You, I remember like Showbox Badu Jack. It's kind of hesitant, slow, boring. You know, is really even when he was winning fights, you're like, oh, I, I, why did I watch this? Then he got knocked out by that guy. Derek Edwards uh, Derek took Edwards. a soul and he and he came right back and reactivated it. He and respawned. Since then, he's just fighting with such confidence. His body attack is really, really looking like something to be reckoned with. I want to see him fight more. Yeah, what a beauty. Hashtag body. Uh, Gervonta Davis tank. Let's not go long on this, but he had a horrific weekend in a showcase co-main spot. Loses his 130 title on the scales, then just doesn't fight to win against Francisco. Fonseca, who nobody knows, is not throwing punches, is trying for the knockout the whole time, comes to the ring in a ridiculous-looking Grover slash Teletubby costume. I have no idea even how to put it into words. And then gets a back-of-the-head knockout and once again, Russell Mora. It's like to call back to Abner Morris being allowed to punch guys in the nuts for, for 75 times in a row without being warned. He lets Gervonta Davis win on a rabbit punch. Gervonta has a horrible post-fight interview. It's like, does this actually in the end hurt his star, Rafe, or is it just, it's just that's boxing? Where do you go with Look, that? Look, I, I don't think Gervonta's star is high enough for it really to be hurt at this point, but it is alarming, right? I mean, he misses weight. Uh, there's no real, there's never really a great excuse for a professional fighter to miss weight, but not, nothing even remotely satisfying came out of anyone uh, that I heard of. Uh, he looked listless and not great in the fight. Uh, and plus, you know, I mean, and I, I hesitate to compare him to Adrian Broner because I think it's unfair for a fighter that young to be, you know, with with not too many bad marks on his on, on his resume uh, to to get compared to Broner, who's sort of like the great wasted talent of of this generation, or maybe not, but we can make that argument. Um, but you know, I mean, he's a small, he's a short fighter with a big body who's who's got power at these weights. If he can't make weight and has to start moving up, you know, that then I think that puts a limit on his. Uh, on his ceiling as a fighter. So I love that he called out the 130 champions and said, meet me at 135. Like, get out of here with that crowd. All right, we got to get out of here, Rafe. So we got to hit. Miguel Cotto was the other fight of the weekend on HBO. Carson California stub hub. He wins a 154 vacant title with a 12th round unanimous decision of Yoshihiro Kamagai, who was consistently willing to walk into oncoming traffic face first. This was a one-sided yet fun fight. With every round kind of looking the same, Rafe, it was uh, interesting that um, Kodo got hit a lot early, but Kamigai doesn't have any power. And then Kodo settled in and just beat the dude down. And Rafe, how sadistic is Kamigai? I mean, his chin got like snapped to the side of his face like four or five, six times in a row. Sometimes his head was stuck to the left or to the right after he'd get knocked. Yeah, I saw that, 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 that punch he took. It's like he tried to move his head back to the middle and he couldn't. He had to like, took a couple tries. I mean, did what, overall, from what you saw from watching, skimming through a replay, what, do you see a good version of Kodo or do you see a 36-year-old Kodo? The, the thing that concerns me is that uh, he could, I mean, and that we know that Kamagai is one of these like, you know, just, Homer Simpson disease chin guys who you can hit with a crowbar and nothing's going to, and he's just going to walk forward, you know? Um, However, that he, that Cotto really wasn't able to even slow him down much. Uh, You know, I mean, I feel like Jesus Sotokara has had landed 
blows that seem to have greater effect on Kamigai in their two fights, or at least in their first fight. Um, you know, so the idea that that Kodo's power really just might not be there at 154, or he may not be willing to commit to it like he used to, because he is, you know, he's on his way out of the sport and probably wants to limit uh, the, the the damage he takes in the, by the end of the year. And all that is a concern because after the win, he, Kodo and Freddie Roach called out the winner of Canelo Triple G. And we already saw the Canelo fight. Uh, it was, you know, tactical. It was it was a good effort by Cotto, but he couldn't hurt 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 yeah. Canelo. That and was a shocker. Triple that... G. That's that's that. I hope that. I mean, for Miguel Cotto's sake, that should not be his last. He's not fight. okay. Number one, he's not fighting Triple G. Let's get that out of unless he really needs money. He's not fighting Triple G. Number two, I was shocked that Cotto didn't just say like David Lemieux or somebody on that level. I mean, we talk. There's some. There's things to think about here, like Austin Trout, for example, is fighting for a 154 title coming up in October against Jarrett Hurd. You know, the idea of, of Cotto uh, unifying 154 belts up against Trout, even though the politics get in the way, that'd be interesting. He's talking about big guns. You let Freddie pick. He told Max Kellerman, I want Freddie to pick. Freddie goes, yeah, we want the winner of Triple G Canelo. You're like, what? Now, here's the thing. Did I think that Cotto signing with Golden Boy set up the idea for a Cotto Canelo rematch regardless of Alvarez winning in September? Yes. I think actually it's more likely if, if Canelo loses to Triple G, then he comes, you know, bounces back, goes back down to 54, fights Cotto for a belt in a big pay-per-view. But Cotto seems stuck on December being his last fight. How is Canelo in any form and circumstance going to go from September against Triple G in the toughest fight of his life, two months later going to fight Cotto? No chance, right? If he's going to, that means it has to be Lemieux, right? Yeah, or, or, they talk some sense into Cotto and say, look, man, just wait till March of, you know, of 2018 and, and you Probably. can have your last fight then, you know, I mean, and the difference in money between fighting someone like Canelo versus uh, David Lemieux, I imagine, I imagine even a man as proud and uh, often stubborn as Miguel Cotto has proven to be throughout his career will may see the light and be like, oh, okay. Probably. 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 Uh, the last bit of news on our way out of here is on Saturday in Vegas, top ranking ESPN in this really swanky press conference at the win announced that four year partnership. We know that we've seen top rank cards recently on ESPN, which is really kind of like death to HBO in a lot of ways. Well, now it's official four year deal. There's a lot of extras to this announcement and deal involving like ESPN getting rights to the top rank library for their upcoming streaming app, top rank getting rights to the ESPN library for their upcoming their own upcoming streaming app, but not no one really cares about that too much. It's really about the idea that it's a four-year commitment of seeing top-level fight coverage on SportsCenter, right? Seeing big fights on ESPN. So it's good for the fans if it works out where we get great fights and top rank is willing to work with other top promoters. I asked Todd DeBuff after about that specifically, and he kind of was like, you know, we're agnostic in this. Of course we'd like to work with others. That doesn't mean we we know 100% that Al Heyman's going to come over and send his guys and sign the deals. I mean, they think that's the problem. One thing we will get out of this, Rafe, though, is a lot more Teddy Atlas and Stephen A. Smith. And I don't know if you caught that Sports Center argument after Floyd Connor on Saturday night. Let me just play you this snippet, and then you can take out your own brain and perform surgery on it. Fast food? I mean, are you yeah, telling it does. Does make a fast food? That's exactly what it does. He I mean, that's what I'm saying. He I mean, made him go in there. Listen, and he made him flip cheeseburgers. He made him do it. He made him do something. Whoa, 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 <laughs> Wait a minute! Oh, I made a foot burgers. Oh my God! What the what? what the, oh my God! We should we could put them on their own show. We'll call it Hot Pizza. You know, it'll be first take overtime. I mean, what the heck is going on? Does this deal, this idea, move you at all? You moved by this? You care? What? What? Stephen A. and Teddy? Together? No, 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 no. ESP, ESPN, top rank. We're in marriage together. We're, we're oh, making. I, I am. I am. I am. I am all in on both the ESPN top rank marriage as well as the Smith Atlas uh, nuptials. I mean, I'm. I would officiate that wedding. I, I don't look. It's ridiculous. I know some of the purists uh, and the people who take the sport very seriously, uh, as I do. But I also enjoy the lighter side of it. I think that's fun. I think it's also good for the sport to have. Someone, uh, the, the biggest broadcaster, whether you love him or hate him, Stephen A. Smith, really the biggest name in in, in like ESPN. I think I don't. Is that crazy to say? Well, uh, no. I mean, he's there. I mean, he's probably yeah. You're he's right. Up there. You're he right. might be the guy. Uh, he's one of the guys. Everybody knows him. He's he is a big boxing fan. He occasionally calls Jeff Horn Joe Horn and uh, and misses some You're of the Manny details. Yeah, you uh, do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn.
but, you know, uh, it'll be funny. It'll give us stuff to react to. And, you know, if boxing wants to be considered, at least I don't think it's ever going to raise to the level of the mainstream sports. But if it ever wants to be, even in that conversation, you kind of need to play these games. You need the big names involved. You need the circus. You need, you know, Stephen A being like, he can't lay off the weed. <laughs> all that. And, all and, the, right, and all I, think, right. I think I think the deal is good, too. Look, you know what's going to come from it or what's going to be on it, at least in December, as it, as as Dan Rayfield reported? Loma Rigo. Then that then all in all, it's a work. It's a winner. I'm at B Campbell CBS. You're at Rafe Bugs. Hit up the other ITC podcast this week, including King Mo on the MMA edition. He'll tell you a lot about what's next for Connor and why he lost that fight and much more. Rafe. They can still buy your book, McSorley's, My Father and Me. That's right. It's two there. and two, McSorley's, My Dad and Me. Um, yeah, please check it out. Uh, you know, Amazon, bookstores, wherever you want. You know, slide in my DMs and uh, and I can uh, tell you where to find it. We'll get some T-shirts with Rafe's face on it. But until then, Rafe, we've got two words for the people. We out.